0: Welcome listeners to another episode of The New Standard and joining me as always on The New Standard is my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. Good morning, Neil.
1: Good morning, Lance. I hope all is well out in your world.
0: It is. It is always a great time and a great day to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers at the top of the morning. Before we jump into the program, I want to give a big shout out to all the sponsors of the show. Great Dads versus Everybody, Assist to Score, Shop Supreme Queen, Nothing But Bud Butter, UK London Pod. Check out those blokes. They do a fantastic job with their podcast, Steelers Landing on IG. And I want to give a big shout-out to a personal friend of mine that's starting a cannabis subscription service, my boy Tajay of the Souls of Mischief, 93 till infinity fame. Big up the Tajay and the Souls of Mischief. And the hieroglyphics crew, big up to his company, Baba, which is a cannabis subscription service. So make sure you check those guys out on calibaba.com. He's going to give me some t-shirts, but I rock those. Tajay's a great guy. Uh hieroglyphics, you know, no need to say who they are. Uh, you know, they are world famous. The 93 till infinity album just I think celebrated his 28th anniversary classic album. This is how we chill from 93 till we all know what it is. So big up to those guys and big up to the service. Before we jump into the program, want to um, you know dedicate this show to uh, one of my old groomsmen, uh, James Fitzgerald, who passed away this week. Uh, thoughts and prayers and condolences with his family. I know there was someone that you wanted to dedicate this program to as well, Neil.
1: Matt Lodi was a colleague and a writer that I've known for many years. Uh, I didn't have the chance to work directly with him, although it was something um, we were trying to set up recently before uh, his cancer returned. And unfortunately, um, that match ended in a tie and he is no longer with us. And my my condolences out to his family and uh, prayers to him and them. Um, it, it's tough. It 46 is way too young, um, especially if you're leaving a family behind. And I hope if nothing else uh, we can learn to live in his example and um, do some good with the, the time that we have
0: yeah that's unfortunate i want to send my thoughts and prayers and condolences to his family as well and i'm not going to say the word but you know what it means and you know what the slogan is hashtag f cancer um, you know cancer is very tough it's very tough on families it divides and breaks up and devastates families but again You know, in times like this, let's think of the positives of those individuals and the good times that we've spent and and had with them and and give thanks for, you know, their contributions to our lives and to many lives in general. Before we jump into the hot takes for the program, any news you want to point out this week? Any hot news or injury updates? The big
1: news that we have is uh, the the, uh, return to practice of uh, Right Tackle Zach Banner. That was announced yesterday. He practiced yesterday. It is not determined whether he will play this weekend against Green Bay. I would say it's probably less likely um, than more likely that he will do that. But the good news is you're looking at bringing a starter back uh, for a unit that probably could use a little bit of a change up, a little bit of a shakeup there. If it's not this week, that's fine. You got to keep in mind though, um, it, the key guys on on IR right now. Um, running back Anthony McFarland and defensive end Stefan Tuitt, those players were not uh, brought back to practice, which means their clock hasn't started yet. Banner has 21 days from yesterday to be activated to um, the the active roster. Why that's important is because the Steelers have a bye week in week seven. So really you're, you're looking at a team that's indicating they expect Banner to be back before the bye and uh, therefore, it could be said that they don't necessarily see that for McFarland or to it. to it being the big one right now. We're not sure what his status is or um, what they're looking to do with him. He's definitely a player that they could uh, use out there on on the defensive side of the ball. So it's it's up in the air how exactly they're going to play this, but it, it is uh, critical to the Steelers' mission moving forward to get to it back healthy. Um, you hope he's able to do that before the buy, but uh, I would say if they're not activating him now, odds are better than not. They're looking at a, a post buy return for Stephon to it.
0: I'm looking at the injury report right now for the Steelers. I'm assuming that it's accurate because you know they have the Friday uh, participation status. Um RA list that would mean this is from last week. What what am your... looking at last week?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm looking cool. at last week's. I mean, it's so early. I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, Friday, Friday hasn't happened. It's actually in twenty four hours. Um Deontay Johnson. <laughs> what's what's the status of Deontay Johnson and TJ Watt?
1: Ch- Johnson practiced on a limited basis on Wednesday, which um, is good and is not good at the same time. Um, we don't know exactly what that's going to mean. Obviously he's a player they want to get out there uh, as, as quickly as they're able to do that. Along with that, um, TJ Watt also practiced on a limited basis. Um, definitely somebody that you need to get back as quickly as possible. Alex Highsmith um, is, is another one to watch. Um, I'm digging right now, and I've been trying to delay this as much as possible. That has not worked. But uh, I believe, I, I, I think Highsmith did not practice, but um, I'm digging it they up had here. A,
0: they had him as questionable yesterday. Uh, I'm looking at ESP, and they don't have him here listed. They have uh, Deontay right, as the questionable. Report, I
1: apologize for that. Yeah, Deontay Johnson was um, limited with uh, the same knee injury uh, that he's had. Uh, TJ Watt was limited. Alex Highsmith was limited. So the guys who did not practice, Ben Roethlisberger, they are listing uh, his injury, the pectoral injury that he had uh, from week two that uh, limited his practice last week. They're listing that again, although Ben typically gets Wednesday off anyway. So I think they're just listing that to, to um, for, for the sake of you know administrative duties that they have to go through. Juju Smith-Schuster did not practice with the rib injury that he left the game Sunday with that um plays probably for a, a, a move somewhere in the practice squad uh, for the Steelers, bringing somebody up. If they have two receivers that are banged up, they might activate somebody um, maybe not in a special teams role, but they, they might need somebody to get snaps. I'm not sure about you, but I know I, I ragged on Ray, Ray McDonald last week. I'm not sure how much they really want him in there. Um, we'll see how that goes. Carlos Davis, the backup defensive tackle. He did not practice. Neither did Chooks Akorafor, who left the game. Uh, With concussion-like symptoms, he is still in the concussion protocol. Uh, Rashad Coward, um, he was limited with an ankle injury. Um, Maybe that has something to do with why they activated Banner. It might be something that they need to address. But uh, it's still a pretty banged-up unit, Lance. These are some key players. Um, Their availability for the game, as Mike Tomlin would say, will be determined by their practice participation. Practice participation will be the team's guide leading into Sunday. But if they're not healthy... Um, as as close to 100 percent as they can be, you know that they're going to be less of um, less effective. And I would point that out specifically for T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. As you also know, um, the other key piece of news this week, I think that we've seen to this point uh, that the Steelers flat out waived uh, Jameer Jones, which I think was a, a bit of a surprise. I, see uh, that. I thought, I thought the, that was a surprise. The training camp, darling, we like what we saw of Jameer Jones, but <clears throat> I'm going to guess the power of the Bison and Derek Tuska came through. Uh, Tusca, I thought, played pretty well in, in a surprise role for him on Sunday with injuries that happened. Um, you have to think that he outplayed Jones, uh, if not on defense, then on special teams, uh, according to the team. They signed Tusca to replace Jones. Jones was waived, and he was picked up by the Los Angeles Raider, Rams. So um, – Hopefully, that, that place. hopefully that's good things for him out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, it's um, where Antoine Brooks landed after the Steelers waived him in training camp. So uh, the Rams clearly have their eye on Steelers' castoffs. And uh, the Steelers are going to proceed with probably, I, I would assume, Derek Tusk is their fourth uh, outside linebacker. I think he can be a key special teams guy for them, And he might have to play a, a good amount of snaps um, th- this weekend at outside linebacker. We'll, we'll see how that goes.
0: I think of all the injuries, of course, TJ Watts and Deontay Johnsons are significant, but I think it's very significant if uh, Chooks cannot come back or Chucks cannot come back and you have to play uh, Hague out there. I think, you know, for a much maligned offensive line, if if Hague is playing uh, significant snaps, I think that just makes it go from bad to worse or from worse to, I don't know what's after, worse to abysmal. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's no...
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if I'll be able to handle it if there are two buys and playing for the Steelers at the same time it's like the Nexus of yeah. my Universe combines.
0: Yeah, it's your guy. Yeah, yeah, two buys, and well, you'll have to get a uh, some one of those combination jerseys. Half of it is black and gold; the other half is green and gold. I think I'll it bet is you a thousand
1: dollars his parents have one of
0: those. <laughs> I'll bet the athletic the department jerseys. issues that to him. <laughs> you, you can split the jerseys. It'll be now, perfect. right apologize. in time, right in time
1: for the game against the Packers. You
0: know, that's just you know, me. yes, it will be. Yeah, it'll 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 flow nicely. <laughs> um, I'm going to apologize because we're going to get a little hot takey on this show. And sometimes we're gonna to have to do that because sometimes it requires that. And assalamualaikum alaykum to my man Ali Howard, species5618. And welcome to everybody out here on the live chat joining the show this early wow. in the morning. And big up to Melvin D02. Yeah. Big up to Mel. Congratulations on the start of your podcast. Big up to Emily, to all the ladies in the house. Big up to you guys. We'd love See, to have female fans and ladies knows the in the bison. house. Oh, yeah. Bison. She, she got triple Zs. Zs. Oh, yep. the Bison's in the back. Yes.
1: Three. Z. Um, it
0: was in the front. Bison's in the back. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to get that for you for Christmas, Neil. You know, I'm going to brilliant. That, uh, Love it. You know, I'm going to do that. Yo, yo. <laughs> That'd be great for you. But here's topic number one. Let me ask the question and I want to get some thoughts uh, from the live chat as well. As of today. Now, this is the caveat. As of today, I think it's what, September 30th as of today rank the quarterbacks in the AFC North <laughs>
1: um, just like that huh I, from what i've seen to this point skill and talent um, you can burrow do it however you else, want man. he's, he's yeah, uh, yeah, i
0: mean you can you can you can do it however I, you want i'm just going
1: through going through in my head here what formulating my opinion on all of them i i thought burrow looked really good uh, he played like a a, a true veteran um that first down rush that he had, you might remember that that was burrow getting a shotgun snap and recognizing there was some type of miscommunication on the Steelers defensive line. Um, the, uh, the defensive right outside linebacker was Melvin Ingram he pushed wide to the outside while cam cam Hayward was, was two technique probably right over the middle. It's a huge gap, a, a three gap lane for burrow burrow saw it immediately got the ball and ran. Um, it, it was some type of pass play on it. But that, that's a veteran move. That's smart of him. He prepared for it. Um, something happened on, on the Steelers' defense, and that happens. I'm not going to you know rag on that point. But Burrow saw it, and he exploited it right away. Uh, he does a lot of things that you really like as, as a quarterback. Um, Talent-wise, I don't think it gets better than, than Joe Burrow. I mean, he's just insanely talented, great arm talent. Um, king of the division, that was Lamar Jackson. I mean, you really can't discount uh, what he is able to do to affect – uh, opposing defenses now it, here's here's a, a killer stat if you really want to know lamar jackson before we're flooded with he's a running back comments lamar jackson right now leads the nfl in yards per attempt and he leads quarterbacks in rushing yards or he's Definitely. he's among the lead leaders in rushing yards i mean that that's insane you, you're not going to see that very often three weeks Definitely. again it's not the full scope of work but lamar on a play-by-play basis lamar is so hard to stop, he's so hard to defend, and he's impossible to plan for. So, um, in in a lot of ways, and I'm sure John Harbaugh has told him this, he's his he's his own biggest enemy. And when they get moving, when he is it puts more of the game together, when they get more of the weapons that they've lost due to injury around him, he's going to be nails. I mean, it's it's going to be really really hard to beat Lamar Jackson this season. Um that, that that I'm not trying to take anything away from Baker Mayfield, who I, I know Steelers fans absolutely hate, but uh, the reality is he's he's pretty good. Um I'm not gonna put him at the upper echelon. I so think you got he has Lamar that one,
0: Baker two. So so, so um, give me your numbers.
1: I'm I'm gonna go by pure talent. It's Burrow, Lamar, Baker, Ben now. Um, guys that I would want to win one game. Oh boy, that's I put it in that way. I so you're saying Joe you're real. Well. So you're
0: really saying. So you're really saying Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the division. I'm not you saying have, you guys have watched him, right? You saw what he did talented. in the Steelers'
1: defense. He he was. They didn't even give him enough opportunities. Imagine if he doubled um, what he had in that game. He only had 18 pass attempts. He completed 14 of them. He hit every deep ball that he threw. It, Burrow, Burrow's lights out. That guy's going to be nuts this this entire season. And then wait until next year. You know, he's coming off of an ACL injury. And he had an 11 yard run. Wait until next hmm. season when he's fully healthy. He gets his third training camp under his belt. Burrow, Burrow's an MVP. I mean, he's he's going to be a, a high level dude. And Lamar, I, I think, I'm is shocked. there just I'm, with his his full all around game. Those two are going to brawl for for a while. I think.
0: I'm shocked that you get – that you got. Burl. let me give you my let me give you mine and, and and we'll hop into some of them i'll I'll post some of them from uh of the chat um i ha- I have Lamar and I'm trying not to as number one and I'm not trying to throw in historical stuff because that's why I put the uh the caveat of as of today um I'm putting Lamar number one just for the numbers that you suggested because those numbers are show a a esque when you could lead the league in home runs and strikeouts at the same time. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous, you know, leading in yards per attempt and rushing as a quarterback at the same time is just Michael Vick times seven, you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous stuff. So I got Lamar number one plus Lamar. He might be as I think he's younger than Joe Burrow. In fact, um, so when you when you factor his age, the fact that he's already been an MVP, and the fact of what he's doing already, the fourth and 19 was ridiculous. I mean, all of the focus, as it should be, should be on the 66 yards field goal, but he converted a fourth and 19 <laughs> on the road. That, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, so number two is Baker Mayfield, I think, obviously. The reason I put Baker 2 underneath Lamar is snap in, snap out. Baker's inconsistency bothers me. Um, And and I'm sure it's probably a problem for that staff, but I think their running game and how they manage him. And I think Stefanski has been an excellent coordinator for Baker Mayfield. They reign Baker in. I think number three, obviously is Joe Burrow. I think right now to all the things that you said, I'm not sure if I'm ready to put Joe Burrow in the MVP candidate uh, into that kind of conversation, because if I'm thinking of young signal callers right now, I'd probably rather have Justin Herbert than Joe Burrow hmm. uh, right now. But that, but that's no shade on Joe Burrow. I just nice think Justin Herbert, uh, you know, <laughs> Justin Herbert's physical makeup, his ability to throw the ball better as well, you know, on different platforms, on the move, that howitzer he has. I just love, I love Justin Herbert, and um, and you know, I'm a little biased to the Pac-12 as well, so. Of course, Cal football, we figure out ways to lose games, you know, anyway, life of a Cal fan. And obviously number four is Ben Roethlisberger. It's sad. Not, sad, yeah, sad as it's it is, just, one thing we're it's, all it's,
1: universally going to agree on at this point is Ben Roethlisberger. It's Ben Roethlisberger.
0: <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and like Double H said, let's all enjoy Ben's last season, like sipping the last glass of wine from a great bottle while sitting on a beach in 80-degree weather, while watching the sunset. I'm not going to put the old man out the pasture right now. Because I I think if you have increased offensive line play and better play, I I think there are some things that you can get out of him. And I think he could still play consistent football. But I just think it's very difficult. there's not a a lot of room for error there. I think a lot of things have to be perfect to get the most out of Ben at this point. And I, I think it's just difficult. But I think that is a good segue to hot topic number two. And just as Pittsburgh legend Joe Starkey posted this on his Instagram feed, or I think on his Twitter feed, and he asked the question, who's the most responsible for the state of the Steelers' offense? A, Ben, B, Colbert, C, Tomlin, or D, Matt, Maple Leaf, Canada? What do you think, Dale? What
1: a dumb question. It, it, that's not how football is played. Um,
0: but that's how the questions are asked.
1: It, option five, combination of, of father time and daddy dollars. You, you don't have the ability to just reload with Hall of Fame talent all over the board at every position. They went... People probably don't like this either. The reality is they went all in last season with the aim of winning a championship while they have been at his best. They restructured his contract with two years left, which meant they weren't able to get out of his contract this year. They franchise tagged Bud Dupree, pretty much the first guy and only guy that they've ever franchised tagged. Well, you make the argument, Max Starks, but... It's been a long time and they haven't done it very often. They franchise tag a guy with the sole intention of keeping him in place for one season. They didn't engage in negotiations on a long-term contract with Dupree. They kept him in place because they tried to win it all last season through 11 games. It worked out pretty well. Wheels fell off, but they went all in last season to win. This is a rebuild. This is sexy tanking. The fault is the fact that they have two rookies on their offensive line a rookie tight end along with an aging tight end. They have a running back that they can't clear a yard without being hit by three defenders and their defense is, is banged up and hurt. All those things together contribute more or less equally. It, it's absolutely ridiculous to blame play calling for any of this. If you don't have the horses, you can't pull the sled. It, it's, it, it's stupid to try to suggest all these things can be fixed by somebody else. They could have taken with the 24th overall pick who, who The next two tackles that they took are both hurt. The one before him, I should say, and the one after him, where they picked overall. Um, Dara Shaw with the Vikings hasn't played. Jenkins with the Bears hasn't played. Neither of these guys were going to come in and play. Banner got hurt, or, or Banner wasn't healthy. One of the two. Banner was supposed to be out there. Chucks was supposed to be out there at probably a better level, but he he was supposed to play left tackle. He's playing right tackle now and not doing a very good job of it. Everybody on their offensive line, is playing against somebody or playing uh, uh, next to somebody who hasn't played there before or with them before. Pouncey retired. There's your leadership on the line right there. Trey Turner it doesn't look particularly impressive to me at this point. It could be that he's done, but he had to replace a guy who was done. David DeCastro hasn't signed anywhere else yet. They had to release him because he was injured. One guy wasn't saving this. One coach isn't saving this. It, it's this is what they have to go through for them to improve i heard it, something recently maybe maybe somebody else can chime in with more info on this there there's a rumor going around that the uh, steelers offensive line coach and the assistant offensive line coach aren't on the same page with what they're telling people to do it it's it's funny because stuff like that comes Let out from right. people that are, are trying to protect somebody the assistant offensive line coach does not work with the veterans. The assistant offensive line coach Chris Morgan does not spend time with Trey Turner. He's working with the rookies. There are two rookies out there. If the two rookies don't understand what's going on, I'm going to guess it's because they're rookies and they haven't played at this level before. There are a lot of things going on. There's confusion. This is all part of the process. This is why for everybody who goes out and says, well, just draft a t- draft a better tackle, get him out there. They're rookies. They don't know what they're doing. Most of the time you ask anybody in the game, who's associated with offensive line play, they want an experienced veteran ahead of a rookie. Now, granted, there are stud freak rookies that they can make into pretty good players, but the veterans at this level, especially when you're drafting 24 overall, you're not getting a guy who's plug and play for the most part. It's just not going to happen. And it wasn't going to happen this year either. So they made the best of what they have as part of a rebuild, okay? That's where they are. There's no one singular person here to blame. The circumstances so, that they're in, the choice that they made to kind of rebuild the line from the ground up came in a year that they're drafting in the back third of the first round, in a year that they're pretty strapped financially, and they had to replace multiple veterans. All of their leadership is gone. So, I, I don't, again, I've said this a thousand times. I don't know what people expected. This is not the fault of one person, though. This is how you grow as a team.
0: So I'm gonna take it that your answer is and I'm gonna let me I'm gonna say Man, it I don't like even remember Mel. what the
1: options are. I don't even care.
0: It's a stupid <laughs> question. If Mel says Neil is no joke, tell me how you really feel, Neil. See how that rhymes? <laughs> I love Mel. It, Neil's answer is ABCD. Mel C, is D. right, that's why. <laughs> Neil's answer is A B C D. But I'm gonna try <laughs> to answer it. They they, I, yes, they, the all, they they all have a part of it.
1: I'm not letting anybody else. They all they all have a part.
0: They all have. They definitely all have a, a, a part of it. And Ali Species says can't blame one person, uh, but Ben gets the biggest piece of the pie. Let me answer it this way. Fine. The options were Ben, Colbert, Tomlin, Canada. Now I'm going to eliminate Canada instantly. If your offensive line is good, like you said, and I love that quote. If you don't have the horses, you can't pull the sleigh. He doesn't have the horses. He, he cannot operate. He cannot operate his offense. Whatever you think his offense is, it's not what they're running now because they can't run it because they don't have the horses. They don't have the guys up front. So I'm going to eliminate Canada. He's 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 hamstrung. He you know he's handcuffed. I'm going to Amazing eliminate. How far
1: we've gone with what we blame offensive coordinators for? <laughs> yeah, I'm he can't do say. anything. You know, Amazing. He can't do anything.
0: Um, <laughs> not gonna, his fault. It's
1: all Fickner's fault.
0: We'll we'll keep blaming him. It's my fault too. Yeah, well, of course. I, well I, I'm, I'm calling the plays from my address. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to eliminate. I'm going to eliminate number A too. It's not Ben. Ben is what he is. Ben is hamstrung by the same issue that Canada is. However, Ben could play better. Some of those throws, some of those reads, he is missing some guys. Uh, but that happens in a football game. He missed Washington. I thought an opportunity for a touchdown. Uh, some of the interceptions, the decision making. It was poor, but it was hard for me to see that because NFL game pass is terrible. But let me not just let me let me stop before I get on a rant about that. So that leaves Colbert and Tomlin. And I'm going to say it's 50-50 on both. I think um, this comes down to to roster construction and to me what they wanted to do. And I agree with you 100 percent that last year they put all the chips in. But I think sometimes you've got to make the hard decision. And the reason why I put Colbert is because, I mean, we we thought this was a rebuild at the start of the season. But I think the rebuild is easier to take if they weren't sexy tanking with Ben at the head of it. And that comes somewhat to me in, in roster construction because of where they found themselves with Ben's contract because they kept pushing it down the road. So they found themselves in a position where they had to do something with Ben. And part of that was to keep him and create this new salary structure or this contract structure to alleviate some of the cap hits. So they had to keep him and you know, Tomlin's a part of that. So I'm saying it's 50 50, but from the Tomlin perspective, and this is going to go to some of the numbers that I'm going to emphasize in terms of the way I think how they played against Cincinnati They have to get coached better. Some of that was really sloppy. No, I'm not going to say some of it. It was all sloppy to start out the gate. I mean, you know, guys not covering up guys. It was just bad coming out the gate. And that's preparation. So from the roster perspective, that's Colbert. The preparation perspective is Tomlin. So I'm going to say 50-50. But another great segue from Tomlin I wanted to get your thoughts on some of Tomlin's comments when he talked about the three-pronged or three points of emphasis when he talked about the team. And and and, and, I, and Tomlin, when they lose and it looks the way it looks, sometimes Tomlin gives you some nuggets. So here's the thought. Here's the first thing that he said. He said, the schematic sort of positioning of the people, we've got to continually do a better job as a staff to have an understanding of what our strengths and weaknesses are from a personnel standpoint, and to play to our strengths and minimize our weaknesses. Do you think they've identified in that building what their strengths are and weaknesses are? Um, I don't know if they have any strengths.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that's, I think that's
0: kind of the point. Like, have they have they pinpointed anything? from a strength perspective that they can hang their hat on. I, I think that's forward.
1: what we see. I think we see a team that tries to get rid of the ball quickly to athletic receivers in space and tries to get them to make plays. It, it's the same thing they really tried last year. And a lot of that is, it, it's not that, it, it, it's still a strength. They're good at that. I think Deontay Johnson is, is good at creating separation, getting himself open and, and making plays after the catch. I think Claypool can build into that. I think Juju has shown that he can do that. James Washington can, can do that to some degree as well. And on top of that, they don't have an offensive line or protection scheme that's going to allow them to, to block adequately on seven-step drops. They can't do many of those to try to air it out deep and, and run deeper fades, deeper crossers, things like that. So it's a strength, but it's also a necessity. It's really what they have to do. They spent their entire offseason trying to build up enough of a running game that it wouldn't have to be emphasized as much as it was. And week three, they threw the ball 58 times to little or no success because they have not been able to run the ball short of literally three or four carries all season. It It isn't working in that regard. And I think to, what Tomlin is saying with that is, We have to get back to the fundamentals because very simply in in that game against the Bengals, they didn't block well. They didn't tackle well. It's basic football. We don't need to overcomplicate what their struggles are. They can't find their strengths because they're not doing anything well. If you can't protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. He's not going to do anything. And if he does, it's going to come at great expense and high risk. It, the best thing Ben did through two games was he really didn't turn the ball over much. He didn't take a whole lot of risks. It was obvious in the second half of this game he was he had run for his life so many times. He's seen ghosts. I said this. I, I think I said it on, on this show. Um, it it might have been something else, but you were. Moving I, I don't on mean to show. demean. I, I don't mean to demean Ben Roethlisberger, but if he had said when he spoke to the media on that fourth and ten play, I forgot what down it was. I would not have been surprised. I'm not accusing him of that, but what he did was textbook, I'm seeing a blitz, get rid of the ball. When it becomes mechanical, when you start operating uh, solely on what you've been taught, so to speak, when it's just simply, if this, then this, you're not competing as a quarterback in the NFL. The down and distance alone should have been enough to to tell Ben, you can't dump that off. OK, you have to get the ball downfield. Taking a sack here is fine. It's not ideal, but you need to deliver a ball down the field. You can take a risk on an interception in the end zone. That's not that big of a deal. You lose a couple yards, but it's not, you know, it's not going to destroy you. The stick is, is two yards in front of the goal line. You need to throw it there. An interception there is fine. That, that's better in a way. You want a completion. You want to be able to, to compete for a first down, if not a touchdown. He didn't even think about that when he got the ball. So to me, yeah. it's either he gave up, as, as Tyler Boyd might have suggested, which I didn't appreciate. Maybe we can get into that conversation as well. Or he didn't know that it was fourth down. One or the other. I, there's no plausible excuse for me other, other than the 18-year veteran NFL quarterback was so ingrained to get rid of the ball when you see guys coming because they're going to hit you if you have the ball. Or he just flat out didn't know what down it was. And this I, is I honestly,
0: Lance, 50 50 for me on that. No, 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 it's not, Neil. It it it's a hundred zero. It's he forgot. It, it, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't think of that. Because because when you look at it again, there's no way that the primary receiver was it wasn't nauseous. It was absolutely a check down. It, it, it was that was absolutely a check down. And it and it came out of his hands within mm-hmm. two seconds.
1: The second he, he saw the blitz coming, he got the ball and dumped it off. You don't he, do he that forgot. on the fourth
0: down. He forgot. He he absolutely forgot. Yeah, I, that that's the end of the game. It it it's a one. You you've got to get a touchdown or you've got to get a first down. Either way, you, that throw has got to be into the end zone. He forgot. He absolutely forgot. Like mm-hmm. a, a, as I'm thinking about it now, as I'm playing the play in my mind, he forgot. He got rid of the ball so quick. I, it it was so he got rid of the ball so quickly. I think it dulled my analytical mind because I was just perplexed. Like, Yeah, people all want
1: to think he, that that was the, the That was the play call that you made. No, it wasn't a screen. Nobody pulled. There was nobody in front of Najee. There were three guys on him immediately because the Bengals were paying attention. Najee was the only guy that was getting the ball in 19 targets. It was not a design play. That was a, a, a dump off in the face of a blitz. Now, what I'm saying is I I don't want to make it out to be like uh, it's all like he forgot, like he really went in Tom Brady style, thinking that it was third down. It's more what became more important to him in that moment was the fact he was seeing the blitz, not the down and distance. And what that means is your priority shifted because of the pressure that the defense was bringing to you all game and the pressure that you saw the last two games. Ben had no faith in his offensive line, in his protection, to stand in there and deliver the ball down the field the way he needs to in a fourth down situation. So in other words, ten he yards. got preoccupied by the blitz on fourth down. That's bad, and we're, okay? and we're He talking did not factor yards. that in. And I honestly, I think he got rid of the ball and said, oh, shit, that was dumb. I I, I think he knows he made a mistake. And I don't want to dwell on that as if it's the 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 linchpin of everything, uh, the way that a lot of people have. I mean, that game is pretty much over anyway. I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to win. but. The point is the mistake that he made was due to the fact that they are not protecting him for anything. And he had to throw the ball way more times than he should have in this game. And he didn't even really have faith that this was going on. He was robotic. He was programmed. He was just trying to get rid of the ball at that point.
0: Here's, here's part of the three-pronged approach. Let me give you the second prong that he said, and let me get your thoughts. Tomlin also said, we've also got to get guys better fundamentally, and that skills relative to their positions. That just requires tedious work or repetition of routine action. When I heard that, that means, to me, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. These guys are young. And they're going to have to. We're going to have to build these guys over the course of these next seventeen weeks. So yep. be patient because it's going to be ugly. What do you that's, believe? That's from exactly
1: his- right. That's exactly right. Um, everything he said matches what I've been saying about this team. This is the growing pains period. I've said a bunch of times as well. This is the type of team that's going to have two, three game losing streaks. And a, a three or four game winning streak there. I, I think seven and 10 is probably optimistic overall, but I, I believe that they will get their shit figured out by the end of the season. And they're going to be a better team until then they're going to get beat up and you're going to see it again this weekend. They don't match up well with green Bay at all. And I they don't have enough time to get everything figured out that they need to. This is how they get better though. They have to go through this. They have to put on bad film to see what they need to fix to, to go ironing out and figure out how to work together as a unit. They're not able to do that um, when they don't have any previous experience together. You don't see teams actively wanting to have a, a, a brand new offensive line every year. I know that fans want that, but frankly, everybody that says up and down, they, they didn't do anything with their offensive line. How could you possibly say that? They're all new. They signed three offensive linemen in free agency. They drafted two of them. They overhauled the entire line. It's just that they're not very good right now. That's all. It, it, it's that, it's unfortunate, hilarious. but this was a hill that they had to climb at some point. It was going to happen. DeCastro not being healthy. Pouncy retiring was on top of everything else that they needed to, to go through. The best player that they had available to draft at a position of need was Najee Harris to some degree. I don't, I don't necessarily love the pick. I think he's a good player. I, I get why they did it, though it was strategic. They had to, they needed a tight end. If you saw that team on on the edges trying to block it at the tight end position last year, you see that they needed a tight end. They didn't have a starting center unless you count BJ Finney as a, as a starting option, which no, you don't, you needed a center. They drafted one in the third round. Dan Moore was supposed to compete for a, a, a swing tackle job this year. And he's probably your starting left tackle next season. He's starting in week one because of injuries. You have to get him out there as well. That's a lot of new talent along with it, it, new running back, new tight end, two new starters on the offensive line. Uh, in a perfect situation, Zach Banner is a new starter at right tackle and Chuk Sikorafor is a, starter, a, a new starter at, at left tackle. Trey Turner is a new starter at right guard. You couldn't avoid these things. It, it, it was going to happen. And this is the result of a team that had tried to maximize their Super Bowl window. It, they did. It, they, they put the effort forward. It just didn't work out.
0: Yeah, that's interesting the way you frame it, because typically as fans, when we look at it, we think that, you know, we always say, what did they do to address this? We only say they've addressed it if what they've done to address it works. No, they try to address it. They actually have addressed it. It just has not worked as of yet, it's, it's, people um, think
1: that addressing it means go out and get five all pro players. <laughs> they, I'm yeah, sure they yeah, would have loved to addressing
0: that. it. You can't. Yes. They did address yeah, it. They addressed
1: it. it more than they've addressed any position in, in Colbert's tenure, in my opinion. I, I know that you don't like B.J. Finney. I just made a joke of him. Joe Haig. I'll let you guys make fun of him. I'm not going to make fun of a Bison, but he's a new guy as well. You bring in there. <laughs> <laughs> to, to play a reserve role. And with Banner, you, you couldn't have been sure of his health. Obviously, he didn't practice in, in training camp, and he started off on IR. He was a strategic pick. You, you had to bring him in for that, along with two rookies. And keep in mind, your a, a assistant offensive line coach taking the, on the, the full offensive line coach position is not a promotion. It's a new position. They don't work together in in the way that people think that they do. The assistant has a different focus, and he doesn't take his cues from the offensive line coach. That's the coordinator's job. The coordinator tells them what they want to run, how they're going to run it, and the the position coaches are teaching them. So they should be on the same page with what they're doing. It's just that the assistant spends more time with the rookies. The Steelers took um, (coughs) uh, uh, Adrian Clem, and made him the offensive line coach for, for whatever reason that they did. It's not a promotion. It's not like he he you know had the, the faith of all the new guys that they were bringing in. He was somebody they wanted to put into that role. He's new to his job. It, uh, uh, the assistant is new to his job. You have a new offensive coordinator. You have all new offensive linemen. You think this is going to be fixed in three games? No. I do. No. I do. They, they banked on this being a, a season-long development. I don't care what they say. There is absolutely no reason to think they could have walked into week one thinking they had the best offensive line in, in the NFL. There's no way they could have thought that.
0: Well, the true answer is in what he's saying, Mike Tomlin, and he is saying in these quotes. And so let me give you the last of the three-pronged approach. And he's basically saying, look, this is going to take time, guys. Th- th- this is football. Mm-hmm. This-, this is part yep. of it. He says, as players individually and collectively, they've got to gain an understanding or knowledge of the game relative To the positions that they play, that's born in practice based on experience. It's also born in games based on experience. We've got some guys who individually need growth in that area, and we all need growth in that area collectively. He's saying, "Remember that word, growth. Growth. We're not there yet. We're growing. And you know, I love when you know because hope springs eternal, And, and and I think the way everyone looks at stuff is. You know, over time, they're going to get better. You know, everything's going to change. Everything's going to get better. They're going to grow. He said they need to grow. He didn't say they are going to grow. He said they (laughs) They need to grow. grow. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like they still might, you know, as much as they get all of these things that Tomlin said in his three-pronged approach, they may put the coaching in, they may put the time, and they may put all of it in, but they, they still may not grow. This still may not be what this offensive line is next year. So this is a process. This and to me, as we looked at, you know, how football teams look at themselves over time and how it's three to five years, kind of a more of a top-down approach. I think this three-pronged approach is for years, not necessarily just this year. This is gonna have this is gonna be a process that that could take. This year, it could leak into next year. It's going to take some time. And uh big up to Grayson Brown. And Grayson Brown said growth, exactly. Steeler Nation should be ashamed of themselves for thinking this team would be great. Grayson, you have no idea fans. how
1: many people argued with me about this this offseason. You have no idea. <laughs> but, but, I'm not trying and, to celebrate and, this, but the reality is none of this, none of this should be a surprise to anybody that objectively viewed their situation. And it's not even that it's bad. This is their plan. They had to do this. They weren't going to be able to just turn the ship around. And they don't have a future quarterback yet. They got another year of this left. They need another draft. They need another free agency period. And they need another training camp.
0: Yeah, and 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 again, sexy tanking. Had Ben not mm-hmm. been the face of this and been brought back, yep. uh, you exactly. see how I use Ben several times, people would accept <laughs> what it is. But, you exactly know, with right. Ben as the face of it, it's hard to accept because of, of Ben's greatness. He's a first- Ben took a pay cut
1: to stay. He took a I pay mean, cut. So if People think I mean, that they're bringing Well, we got to do this one more time for Ben. That's why they're paying him $5 million less than what they had contracted to pay for him. They told him, take a pay cut or we're going to cut you. It, it's one way or another. I don't know if we want Mason Rudolph to play, but we can't pay you what you're scheduled to make. You are just simply not worth that money, and we need to put it other places. They knew exactly what they were doing when they put this together, and it's not because they felt Ben still was 2014 Ben. He's clearly not. But the only comparison here is to Mason Rudolph. He's better than Mason Rudolph. I don't care what anybody says. He's going to be more effective for this offense than Mason Rudolph. Then you get into the PR side of this. People aren't going to like this either. They think that you know it, this is all purely black and white business, you can't cut Ben Roethlisberger and not give him the opportunity to, to, to you know, call it quits on his own. They didn't yeah, cut know. Troy Polamalu when it was best for the team to cut him. They gave him the option, and Troy sat on it for a month. They let him make that decision. It's an, If they had to do that with Ben, they would have. But they also offered Troy a pay cut. Troy didn't take it. Ben took the pay cut because he wanted to have his way to to end his career, which I I'm I'm okay with that. If it prevents a 30 year feud like they had with Terry Bradshaw and still seem to on a semi annual basis, that's fine. This season wasn't going to change because they were not getting a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger.
0: Yeah, I just hope um, and, and and Ed Bouchette now of the Athletic uh, kind of mentioned ever it. Compare me to Dale Lally. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, was that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> Crazy things sometimes, and, Lance. And, um, uh, you know, you just shocked me there. That's why I love having you on the show, Neil. Neil in the morning with his first cup of coffee is golden. Second, um, second cup. Of oh, second one. See, oh, it's even better. You know, the jitters are starting <laughs> to kick in. Yes, they are. This
1: is the, the uh, rejuvenation cup. I should ask my staff. They love talking to me at this time in the morning.
0: Let me ask you this now. Sum up because we're getting kind of long into it. Before we get to our take on Green Bay, um, I asked you to give me three numbers to sum up the Bengals game, but you can give me one. You can you can condense it if you want. What's a number or numbers? Uh, that you would use to recap the Bengals game
1: 58, as in 58 pass attempts. That's a problem. And it, it goes to show they didn't have the ability to get it in deep into their game plan for this game. Um, it, it, it's problematic, even if he completes 38 of them. 58 for 318 is Pedestrian. It It It's yeah, not bad. a good number, whatever it is, it's not a good number. Um, On on top of that, you're looking at a team that, once again, completely failed to run the ball. You're starting running back, 14 carries, 40 yards, 2.9 a carry with a long of 20, Lance. That means he had 13 carries for 20 yards. All right. Lump all that into one number. That equals suck. You cannot possibly expect to win uh, if, if you are that dismal running the ball with this poor of a passing game. Uh, and then the, the last one for me would be um, I can't add, I just went blank. 34 targets between Najee Harris and Chase Claypool. And then from there, if you want to go deeper than that, Ray Ray McLeod and Juju Smith Schuster both had four targets. If you are throwing the ball to Ray Ray McLeod, you're not winning the game. Okay. It, it's that simple. Do you see the one that went straight through his hands? Literally, straight oh through his hands. Fryermuth had one like that as well. Can we stop talking about how great he is in the red zone? That was one of the worst drops you're ever going to see. It, offensively, everybody has been bad. You, you can't argue that, well, if we do more with this guy or we do this, it's not a strategic thing. They need to play the game better. And it, for, that film, they didn't like that film session. I promise you, that was awful. They, they played a horrendously poor game.
0: Let me give you my number. The first number is 10. 10 penalties. When I rewatched the game, it it was hard. It was a hard watch merely for the fact that every play was stopped by a penalty. And when you're an offense that's as bad as the Steelers is currently right now, and from a coaching perspective, it, it's hard to assess your team when you're that penalized because you can't really get a gauge as to what they do. Well, because they're so penalized, you just don't have enough information to accurately assess it. Like what can we do? We're just penalized. And for a team that's struggling to score like they are, you cannot have 10 penalties. You cannot come out and it look that bad and it be that sloppy. So that was absolutely the first
1: two drives too. Including yeah, a, a procedure like, penalty on the second play of the game. Can, re- I, can oh, I tell you how stupid that game. is? That's so bad. You practice your scripted plays, 10, 12, 15, something like that, depending on uh, the, the coordinator. You script those plays. They switched on a, a, a jumbo formation. They switched their tackle. Their tackle got set, and nobody covered him. Why? You, you absolutely went over that in practice. How could you not have the tackle covered on a play like that? They are absolutely going to be looking to see if the tackle who just switched sides was covered. The fact that they didn't do that, it just goes to show it, it's there are coaching issues involved. There are personnel issues involved. But this team is just dumb. They're, they play stupid football. And the penalties speak to that. Sorry, I'm not trying to steal your thunder here. I just That oh, no, really, no, really irritates me.
0: It's fine. It's fine. The other thing is, uh, you know, points per play. I mean, it's as low as in this game, it was 0. 0.13. I mean, that basically just says you would have to run a zillion plays to get the 30 points. It's just, it's, it's just not good enough. The other one is time of possession. I believe in this game, they had the ball almost 36 minutes and they couldn't they score. Nothing. I mean, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do it. The Bengals they had, had it for half ball. that time. and just scored on splash
1: it. plays all the time.
0: They had the ball 35 more plays than the Bengals in the game and got beat 24 to 10. They ran 77 plays and scored 10 points. I mean, that just tells yeah. you everything. It just tells you everything that offensively, they're just in a really bad way. And I don't know if there's any more ways for us to say it or or, or or do it. But But, hey, I mean, it just is what it is. They're in a very bad way. Neil said, Neil's a tough love critic. It's needed, though I agree with Lance's number. So many games spark plays by negative penalties. I mean, you you're can't. Just either, not good
1: e- enough to play like that, and I, I promise yeah, you're you, just Tom not, is saying that to the team. They're just not good enough to to you know, not you, cover yeah, the tackle on the second play of the game. You
0: can't overcome that stuff. I mean, you have to. I mean, they're going to struggle offensively playing clean football, let alone ten penalties. But let's get into Green Bay real quick as we start to conclude the show, and I'm gonna just ask you this question. I'm going to ask you about the Green Bay game in this particular way. Would you take Green Bay and give six and a half points?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would. Right now, I would. Um, I don't see any reason to think that the Steelers can go on the road against, maybe not the eh, kind of a leaky defense, but good enough to shut the Steelers down. Um, Cincinnati has Cincinnati's a good defensive team. I'll give them that. They, They played really well. They had a great scheme in that game, holding the Steelers to 10 at home. It is, is a pretty remarkable accomplishment. Even if the Steelers are, you know, fortunately the only team in the league that that's close to as bad offensively as the jets and the bears are they're bad. I don't think green Bay needs a high level defense to hold them to 14 points. The real question is, how is Pittsburgh with with what their current construction is on defense, which is really faltering? How are they going to stop? How are they going to hold Green Bay under 28 points? How are they going to do that? I don't see that happening. Um, Even if Watt is back, he's not healthy, healthy. um, He can make plays, but the Steelers are going to need multiple takeaways from an Aaron Rodgers led offense, from an explosive offense that can get the ball down the field. They, they need a lot of things to go their way defensively to keep it competitive. I just – I don't see how this is not a, a seven-plus point win for the Packers.
0: Yeah, to answer my own question and, and to Melvin's point, I might give you nine and a half points.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't have a
0: problem uh, This, this, I, it, this, this is gonna really go looks – go This looks like a double-digit loss. This this looks like – this looks like where, where, where Steeler Nation jumps off of every bridge. In Pittsburgh, this looks like where this looks like the one where uh, it's where where it's kind of like, hey, man, this this is what we are. You know, this is going to get bad. This is going to be bad for a while. And that's why I didn't want to spend a lot of time breaking this game down and looking at matchups and so on and so forth, because the matchups are bad across the board. I mean, you saw what Green Bay was able to do, at least from a pass rush perspective against San Francisco. They got a ton of pressure on Jimmy G. You've got Devontae Adams. I mean, you've got great special teams, great place kicker. You've got great coaching in terms of the game plan, the way they put it together offensively up in Green Bay. You got, you know, you got Green, you got Aaron Rodgers, Cal football, Cal quarterback. I mean, he's killing it. Uh, you know, he's not gonna turn the ball over. And you have TJ banged up, you've got Hightower banged up. You know, this is a a team that did not get a quarterback hit or a sack against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, you know, if if they can't if they can't pressure Aaron Rodgers, this is over. They're going to get torched. They're going to get torched on Sunday and and it's going to look bad. And when I'm looking at their schedule and I don't want to predict these games, because, of course, a lot can happen in football. Guys get injured. Things change. You know, it's always this moving train. But. I don't think they beat the Packers. I don't think they beat the Broncos, and I don't think they beat Seattle. I don't think they beat any of those teams over the next several weeks. I just I'm don't happy think they, they play do. the
1: Lions and the Bears. Exactly, I know why.
0: <laughs> and I don't think they're going to be you know, favored against anymore. You know, lucky for them, I think they get Denver at home, and they'll get Seattle at home. But yeah, home, you know, home's Denver been great for them. Homes,
1: homes, really done the charm for them so far. Yeah, great well, home stand but, they just had. It's not, yeah. it's not even an advantage anymore. It's a detriment. They play terribly at home.
0: Well, at least it's three and a half points to the points that I may have to give you if I take them. I mean, at least it's that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, <laughs> at least it's three and a half that way. Yeah, this team is just in a, in a very interesting position. And it's, I mean, I'm 51 years old, so I've not seen them win every single season. If, if you're someone that was born in the 90s, this is very weird for you. They were successful with Cowher. They've been successful with Tom. And this is very weird for you. This is weird seeing them sort of struggle. They had a patch where, you know, you know they were really good offensively. They struggled a couple. There's been some years where they didn't go to the playoffs. But not. But it's not looked like this. This, this um, team,
1: they were 0-4 in 2013. And they got destroyed yeah. in a couple of those games. They were two and six coming off the most points they'd ever allowed in a game when they lost to the Patriots. In I think it was week nine. I think they had a buy-in there as well. They rebounded, went six and two the rest of the way, and damn near made the playoffs. So it, it's I, I'm not ruling out that they don't turn this around, that this is truly the, the worst team we've ever seen. But the three-game run of ineptitude that we've seen is real. That's not an exaggeration. I, I, I'm i somebody that was alive during the 80s but didn't live in the Pittsburgh area. I didn't see their games unless they were on primetime. You knew that they weren't particularly good because my dad was fuming mad about it all the time. I didn't really see them until DirecTV came out in in the early to mid-90s, right kind of the beginning of the, the Cowher era. Uh, that's when I really got into the team itself. And in that time, yeah, you can count on one hand, how many bad, truly bad seasons they had nine and seven missing the playoffs. Isn't a bad season in my mind. This looks a lot worse than that. And I, I I said, they'd be nine and nine. Can't talk. I said they would be seven and 10 and that was probably more optimistic than than anything else. I think they'll put it together by the end, but for now they're going to get beat up a bit and this isn't a good game for them. Um, you're looking at a Denver defense that's a lot better than the Steelers' offense is. They've they've got some problems coming. They're going to continue to get beat on.
0: Yeah, Fangio is tough. Fan, yeah, yeah, Fangio is not the guy to go against if your offense is struggling. To Double H's point, still possible to turn around, but we need to sweep all games until the bye for that to feel tangible. But let me speak to that real quick before I get into my rant and before we close the show out. Turn it around means differently for different people. And I think it's even different for the Steelers. Turn it around, I think, means playing quality football. I don't know if it necessarily means going, uh, you know, eleven in what is, I don't know, seventeen games, eleven and six this year, and making a Super Bowl run. I think they know what they are. They built it. They know what they are. I think turning it around means quality football building a foundation to which they can build on moving forward as this rebuild continues. They want to be further along the road, down the road in this rebuild. They don't want to be in this position next year when the season starts, where the rebuild hasn't, doesn't feel like it's it's been pushed down the road or it hasn't started. They want they want to see, they want to be able to look at this roster with the start of this rebuild and be able to tweak and enhance it next year to get this thing further down the road. So they're looking for quality football, more consistent football, the wins and losses, if they get them, great. But they're trying to, I think, just build a foundation around this football team. But let me get to my rant real quick. And it's bloggers, podcasters, anyone that cites – in articles and stuff like that, and hopefully I don't hit you nil, and sometimes I do with my rants. Um, quoting stats that aren't official. Let me give you an example. Pressures. Everyone talks about pressures. Oh, this guy had 17 pressures in the game. No one collects pressure stats. The NFL does not collect pressure stats. Pressure stats are eye of the beholder. So let's yeah. stop quoting stats that the NFL does not capture, and all those PFF stats that they come—those aren't real stats. Those are stuff that they make up. Pressures aren't real stats. Eye of the beholder. Here, and so that's just my rant. But the last point I wanted to make is, I kind of want to rant on this too. Is the Steelers in the media have been getting knocked by like ESPN and some other big places about? Not having a succession plan at the quarterback position. Let me explain <laughs> to you guys what a succession plan is for the quarterback position. It's getting beat, it's getting beat to shit, losing, and drafting a quarterback high in the first round. That is the succession plan for teams that need quarterbacks. You lose, you draft, then you prepare them. That's how it happens. You know how do you get Justin Herbert? You sucked. How do you get <laughs> Josh Allen? You sucked. You suck. Uh, how, trade up. How do you Josh get Allen, Joe Burrow? You suck and you trade up. How do you get Joe Burrow? You, you suck. really suck. You know how do you get Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Mac Joe? You suck. How did the Steelers get Ben Roethlisberger? They sucked and drafted number eleven. That was their succession plan. There's no succession plan with a quarterback. This ain't government. This is none of that. There's no succession plan. It doesn't work that way. You lose, you draft another one, and that's it. And you prepare that guy. There's no succession plan. There's no mystery. There's no plan in the back of the room that they have on a napkin. No. You lose, you draft the quarterback. That's the
1: succession plan. Succession plan in, in that context, too. What team has it? You're ripping the Packers. They can't move on from Aaron Rodgers because he's the damn MVP of the league and they have a, a quarterback who can't play. That was their succession plan. Looks more like a busted first round pick. What was the Patriots succession plan? They traded him to San Francisco, and San Francisco's succession plan was to trade most of their draft to get up to three to take another succession plan. It it, it either works out or it doesn't. You either have the guy or you don't. And if you don't, you need to get him. So it's not as simple as everyone will, will very quickly point out. Well, the Packers didn't need to draft Aaron Rodgers. Like, okay, that was going on 20 years ago in a much different NFL. don't bring up Montana and Young. It's not even recognizable anymore how different the league operates now compared to them. There are no succession plans in the NFL. Everything is year to year. You, If you are really good and you have a great situation in front of you, you have a three-year window. And that's, that's probably an exaggeration. The Chiefs overhauled their team after going to back-to-back Super Bowls. Okay? They're not having a whole lot of success right now either. They don't need a succession plan, a quarterback, but they need succession plans at every other position. You have to address them when you need you have to address a position when you need to have another guy in there. That's what the Steelers are trying to do. The quarterback piece of it had to happen next year. They couldn't draft one at any point who's worth a damn. Even if, as you wisely pointed out, all the the Justin Herberts, all of those players that get drafted and have success, half of them are are good. The other half sucks. It happens all the time. How no one's, no one's clamoring for Tua right now. They're talking about trading for Deshaun Watson. He hasn't been good. And Tua was the consensus number one pick for a long time. He went five overall. Doesn't look like he's all that great. He's not Herbert, that's for sure. That's who they passed on. You don't know what you're going to get when you draft a guy. It is, in, in large measure, a crapshoot. And yes, you have to position yourself to get the best that you can get. But what matters is is getting him in the building and getting him to work and making him better than what he is, finding a scheme that that works for for his abilities and to be with him and support him when all of a sudden he's a 22-year-old, world famous with millions of dollars, and a bunch of veterans around him that he has to lead. You don't know how they're going to react to that. You just don't. And and you're not going to be able to. Uh, Unless you're picking number one overall and you get a gold standard guy like Joe Burrow, then yeah, you can. Deshaun Watson fell in the draft. Everybody claimed that was the biggest mistake of all time. I don't know. (laughs) What does that look like today? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how they're going to react to the world that they're in. It's a really difficult thing to plan for. And you want to have two of them? No, absolutely not. They're only like 11 on earth. So you're you're lucky to get one. The Steelers are going to have to go find one. That's the plan. They couldn't do that this year. They kicked enough money from Roethlisberger's contract, which you needed to clear up space to keep the star power that you had in that team in the late 2010s. You had to be able to do that. You have to pay that debt. You have to move past it and find somebody else. That's what they're going to do next year.
0: Yeah. And their next quarterback is TJ Watt because he's getting paid like one. So that's their succession plan. Maybe TJ can get under center as well when he uh, puts a little icy bomb or tiger bomb or, whatever, uh, all these different ointments on that hamstring. But with that, (laughs) we're going to go ahead and get out of here and conclude the program. Want to thank everybody that hopped in again. Want to send my condolences to the family of James Fitzgerald, my boy, Fitty, Um, and also, you know, everybody out there, you know, hug your loved ones, man, you know, life is short, um, but make it great. And with that, we're going to conclude the program. And as always tune in, tell a friend and subscribe.